Hi, I'm Patrick Finley. He's Mark Potash. Welcome to Hallis Intrigue. We're Potsy. We've reached the end of the toughest part of training camp. Now the Bears get to hit other people. We'll talk about that and more coming up on Hallis Intrigue. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Potsy, as you and I sit here right now, the Bears are done with practicing until they face the Tennessee Titans on Saturday at Soldier Field. Uh, Camp thus far, I I think, could probably best be described as uh, cautious and... Uh, low intense, low intensity. Uh, the Bears haven't shown a ton of physicality, but there will be a time for that next week as well. What do we know today going into the first preseason game that maybe we didn't know two, three weeks ago? Well, it's hard to say. I, I was going to say, Pat, that I think we're, we've reached a very definite point of training camp that you see often, but it's just really evident now is that this team needs to face somebody other than themselves. You know, we always say it's kind of a cliche of training camp, but it's absolutely evident when you watch uh, what the Bears are doing is, uh, yeah, both both sides of the ball, they need to fa- you know face another opponent. The preseason game will do that, I think. Uh, pra- practicing against the Colts in, in, uh, ahead of that game next week will be even better. And um, other than that, we really don't know a whole lot, I'll be honest. I mean, I know some people are pretty meticulous about how they watch practice, and and I try to be. But um, do we see things now that we can say are definite about this team on either side of the ball? I would say no. And so that's why the preseason will at least give us a little glimpse of of reality or what to expect. And even then, even then, excuse me. Even then, it'll be um, it, it will be it'll be one of those things where we say, "Yeah, wait till the bell rings," because that's when you find everything out in the NFL. What we've seen thus far is Justin Fields struggling probably more often than not against a Bears defense that has looked good, even without Tremaine Edmonds, without Demarcus Walker, without yeah. Jaquan Brisker. Uh, I mean, you know, we could go up and down the roster. Almost every Bears defensive starter sat out at some point. Um, that's not necessarily what fans want to see, and I'm sure it's not what the Bears want to see. You know, Justin Fields struggling at times uh, but I don't think we're going to see a whole lot from him against the Titans on Sunday you know maybe they'll play him for 10 snaps or something like that I, I think it, they got him to about about 24 percent of their snaps in the first week last year but in theory they know more about him now he's not in a first uh, year offense with a first year head coach and a first year offensive coordinator you'd think that they'd pair it back a little bit for him yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure how they're going to handle it because um, I, it's hard to tell if they, they feel like they need uh, to see what they've got or see how much progress they're making. But they really don't. <coughs> excuse me. They really don't seem like they're like they're that intent on that. Um, I think this is a very step by step incremental progress process, and I think they're going to wait until week one to really you know, for us to really see or for them to show what they got. So I'm not anticipating a lot first te- first team wise. Tell you the truth, I think they're still. It's strange. You talk about year two. They sound and feel like to me like they're in a year one mode mentally at least. I think they will be better, but I just think their their approach right now is more like they've got. Uh, they're more like in year one. That's 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 all I can tell from what <laughs> way they've been talking. Well, about it, maybe so, but also you look at some of their position battles that we that we lived through last year. Remember, at this time last year. The Bears were saying, we're going to play every offensive lineman at every single position, right. and we're going to see what yeah. we've got because you never know. Something might happen. We're going to have to move guys <clears throat> guys around. This year, for the most part, everybody's got a set position. 
Uh, you know, the only real position battle I think on the team is probably for the DB spot opposite Jalen Johnson. I, this is a fairly, from a roster construction standpoint, this this feels a lot more like a finished product. Than I agree 100%, and that's why I'm saying I think that's why this team has a better chance to hit the ground running in week one mm-hmm. uh, after not doing a whole lot in the preseason than trying to show what they've got in the preseason. So I think you're right. I think I think I guess what I'm saying is I think you'll see the benefits of that more in the regular season than you will in the preseason. I, I, but it is, it's a good point. I think that's one reason why they are in a better shape now, even though you can't really see, you can't really tell watching the Bears in training camp just how much better they are. And, and that's why I hate to say this in, on August 10th, that uh, we we'll wait, wait till September 10th. But it's kind of what you got to do at this point. I asked Luke Getsy this, and I think it's a valid point, if I do say so myself. The Bears having two joint practices against the Colts next week. Uh, I think that's more valuable time for Justin Fields than playing in a preseason game against the Titans, and I don't think it's particularly close. Part of it is because, you know, you get to face another team, but it's also in a scripted environment. It's also with him wearing a different colored jersey, which ensures he's not going to get hit. So it gives you kind of everything you want in a preseason game uh, without the bad stuff that you don't want, which is the guy getting hit. And, you know, you could look at San Francisco. I I think they told Brock Purdy that he wasn't going to play in the preseason opener, but he was going to play in their uh, two days' worth of scrimmages against, I think, the Raiders. Uh, so I, I think the league might be trending that way, Potsy, where where we, we will learn something next week in Indianapolis in a way we might not uh, on yeah. Saturday on, on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, I agree 100%. Practice, the, practices, the, uh, the crossover practices against the Colts will be much more valuable, I think, to the Bears because it's just that's more of what training camp is all about. It's preparation. In the, in the games, think about it this way. Even in, <clears throat> excuse me, even in the games, Teams don't even show what they've got. I mean, right. there's a you're almost you're you're pulling back. You're not really showing what you've got. So the games are a little bit of a the preseason games have become a little bit of drag of a drag on, on on teams on formative teams like the Bears because they want to show that they're getting better. They want to show progress, but they still just like any NFL team, they're not going to they're not going to show their hand. Uh, um, so I think so. I agree 100. percent I, I think those practices will be really good. I, I think you're right in the context of the. T- top of the roster. I think at the bottom of the roster these games do matter and yeah. I, I think they're yeah. less they're they're more substantial and less performative probably. You know, we we talked to Jack Sanborn today and remember this is a guy who at this time last year Potsy was just a guy. And he had an opportunity yeah. playing with the first team because Roquan Smith decided he didn't want to practice. And by the end of the third preseason game he'd made so many plays that the Bears were forced to keep him. Uh, maybe there's a guy out there like that this year that can benefit from a preseason game in a way that you know the Justin Fields of the world won't. Yeah, Noah, I, Noah Sewell. Noah Sewell. <laughs> I, I, was just, I was just going to ask. That is that is <clears throat> Patsy. Uh, tell the people why, why it's so ironic. Well, because Noah Sewell has a chance to take uh, <clears throat> excuse me has a chance to take reps from uh, and 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 a starting job uh, from Jack Sanborn. He's competing for the job, so that's just, I think that maybe, maybe that tells you just how far the Bears have come. The guy who everybody would have been looking to as the main guy is now himself being challenged by an, uh, by another player that uh, they identified even higher you know, in the draft. So I think you know I think that bodes well for what for what for what they're doing. And you pointed this out the other day. There has been a change in Matt Eberflus's tone when talking about the opportunity that Sewell has. I, I think a month ago, it was more along the lines of, "No, you know, when Jack gets back, you know, you know, Jack will probably have it." And, and now he's stressing the word competition. And now I want to be clear, Potsy, that 
Jack Sanborn is a success story in terms of making the club as an undrafted free agent, but the Bears this offseason changed his position and moved him to the strong side, which is only on the field about half the time, and then spent $100 million on the two other <laughs> linebackers yeah. to take his place. So the Bears like him, and the Bears think he can be part of their future, but they also set about replacing him pretty quickly. Too. Well, I think that's, you know, to put kind of a positive spin on that, because I think it is positive, is it shows you where the Bears are, how the Bears have kind of raised their own level in just one year. I mean, I think Matt Eberflus genuinely loves Jack Sanborn and what he does. I think he's, Jack Sanborn is, is, is Matt Eberflus's kind of guy, a hits principal kind of guy. But... He, like you said, he was an undrafted guy. Now they, this year they've identified a guy who they know will fit in this offense even better and has and also has a better chance. And if there's anything the Bears did in the draft was they drafted athletes, four-star guys. Five, seven of their ten guys were four- and five-star athletes who they really feel will be, you know, will, will really fit their, uh, you know, fit their schemes. And, and I think Sewell fits, in, fits into that category, and I think he's the guy. So what I'm saying is they like one guy, but the other guy might actually be better for yeah. what they're going to do. And maybe not this year, but eventually I think Sewell will be the guy because he's just a more highly rated player. There was a time when he was a high school player in Utah that Noah Sewell was a top 20 prospect at any position uh, yeah. at, in all of America. Pedigree? I mean, he's got the pedigree. His brother plays tackle for uh, the Detroit Lions. Yeah, he's somebody that you look around and that you kind of want to bet on the history there. Uh, you know, he was good at Oregon, but maybe not – um, maybe not program changing the way that they right. had thought he'd be when he showed up. Patsy, not to put you on the spot because I, I know how much you adore that. Uh, Noah Sewell's a good guy to watch uh, on Saturday. Give me another one. Um, well, yeah, put me on the spot. I like I, I, I like Roshan Johnson just because everybody else loves him. And he's <laughs> been such a, a, a magnet for uh, affection and attention. And, uh, and I think... Uh, a game in pads. He's a physical guy. You can already see it in practice how playing in pads. He's one of those guys. He said when the pads come on, yeah. it'll be different. He he it actually he is actually he's is a different, different player in pads. We haven't seen him a lot. Uh, he was injured earlier, but I think he's back. And and I think he's a guy who I'm just curious about because the Bears like him so much, and just in general, he seems to have captured people's attention. And so I want to see what is there because the Bears have a interesting situation in in the running back room where they have established guys, but not so established that nobody can can break through. There's room there for for a surprise guy. There's room for, this is a really bad example, but there's room for like a Tom Brady-like guy, a six-round draft pick to break through, where right. a lot of times, and like for like quarterbacks there isn't, and certainly for running backs there isn't. So there's opportunity there, even though I don't think that's like a wide open competition. But Roshan Johnson, I'm just curious to see if he is, you know, he is, you know, everything that they say. And if I had to pick one other guy, I think a lot of people would pick Tyler Scott. Can, can I put a pin in, yeah. in Scott for a second? Yeah. And just, I, I think Roshan, I'm really interested in seeing what he does. I think that you could make the case that, you know, if you're asking me who leads the team in carries in week 10, I'd probably bet on Roshan Johnson. But he's, you know, he seems to be kind of a vessel for fans and the way they look at the Bears. You know, he hasn't done a single thing in practice, yes. because you can't judge a running back in practice for the most part. We've never seen him run in an NFL game. If you're sitting there saying, I know he's going to be a star, you're lying. And I'm not saying you, I'm saying fans. If you're sitting there and go, and go why in the world would they waste a draft pick on, a, on the University of Texas's backup running back? You know, you're probably lying there too. Uh, I, one thing I do know, my, 
I do know that on Saturday, I don't think Roshan's going to be on the field at the same time as Justin Fields. I just think that they they are right. so concerned about pass protection and about not getting yeah. their quarterback killed in the ten different in the ten downs he plays or whatever it is that I can't imagine them taking a chance with a yeah. rookie running back back and, there. And I'm saying of all the things you see happen on offense without Justin Fields being in the field, Roshan Johnson might be one of the more real things that yep, happens absolutely. that portends to future success. Tyler Scott uh, is another one that you mentioned his name. Uh, he right now I think best case scenario Potsy is probably their fourth receiver. Uh, you know, behind Chase Claypool, who remains hurt, uh, and uh, Mooney and DJ Moore, uh, Equinemius St. Brown's in that competition. Dante Pettis just came off of IR. Valus Jones seems to be catching the football uh, in a way that he didn't last year. Uh, so there's actually some pretty good competition there. But there's reason to think that Tyler Scott has got the speed to be a, a pretty good weapon for them. Yeah, I just think he's the kind of guy who, in the Bears situation, He's kind of a good litmus test. I think he he's a, he's such a good athlete, and he's and he's got such he's got great speed that he's like if if your offense is good, he will be he will be a factor. I, I think, uh, or there's a great likelihood that he'll be a factor. So I think he almost kind of he's one of those guys who kind of you know defines. I always said that about um, Nick Foles. You know, he's the kind of guy who defines you as a good or bad offense. How, I think a guy like Tyler Scott is almost a wide receiver type of. Uh, um, that kind of player. So um, so he'd be more of a guy uh, who I think will kind of let you know just where this offense is if a guy like that can, can succeed, especially with the receivers they have in front of them. Yeah, I think that's the difference between this year and last year. Last year you took a guy like Phelous Jones and he needed to be a big part of your offense right. because you had no one else. Now you have somebody who can actually slot into kind of his place in the world right now, and if he can grow out of that, all the better. I think he has a better chance of growing because he's got D.J. Moore and Darnell Mooney yeah. around. I mean, Tyler Scott would have gotten a better opportunity last year, but I think he'll be a better player in this offense. I guess that, that's the distinction I would make because, as you saw with Valus, he can only do so much in, a, in an offense that was just on, absolutely on training wheels. And I want to ask you uh, about one more player before we get going. Potsy and this player we're probably not going to see on Saturday. Uh, that's Chase Claypool. Chase Claypool grabbed his hand, hamstring in practice on uh, Wednesday while talking um, mess uh, to a uh, defensive back or two or three. Uh, up until that point, the best thing I think you could say about Claypool was that he was healthy in every practice, uh, which certainly didn't seem that way when he was uh, put on the uh, pup list the day before training camp started. Now he's banged up. I don't think it's a serious injury. I think it'll keep him from playing on Saturday. But what, what do we make of him? He is a live wire in practice. He is uh, uh, loud. He yeah. is, to many people, obnoxious. Uh, but he's also, uh, his athleticism in person is pretty impressive. And I, it's my opinion that I think that guy can be your third receiver. I don't know that that guy can be your second receiver. <laughs> you well, know what I mean? The, the, old, yeah. the old NBA is saying that every great team had one crazy person, yeah. but every bad team had two. I mean, it, it, I, I think there's a place for his energy. Uh, I just think that it needs to be harnessed the right way. I feel like uh, it's a team. You've got to be real good to be able to get the most out of a guy like Chase Claypool. I don't think he makes a bad team a good one. I just don't think he's that kind of guy, frankly. And I, his, his approach, you know, his outspokenness, brash, whatever it is, that, that's, that's admirable. But it's more admirable when you've got like three 1,000-yard seasons. It'd be more admirable if it was DJ Moore. Sure. Being that kind of guy, there it just it just look. It I don't know how else to say it. I don't want to offend the guy because I'm you know obviously he's a good player and 
I'm sure he's a good guy, but I'm just saying he's, it, it's, it's almost misplaced. It seems misplaced to me, uh, uh, the, the way he uh, jaws with people. And I, I just think it's more acceptable. It, it's a better look when you've got a little more to it than like an 800-yard season with the, with the, uh, with the Steelers. So, but, that, that, but that said, um, I, I still think uh, if he gets over this injury, and again, that is part of the whole Chase Claypool thing, isn't it? That he, it's kinda, he's, he, he's really playing to form. Right. He's doing well, which that's you know he's good. He's doing well. Uh, he's he's uh, he's he's better. I think he's better in this offense this year than last year. Obviously. Or it looks like he will be. Uh, but yet now he's hurt again, and he's had situations where those are sometimes that the, his act is a good thing on a good team. It's a good thing on a average team. It's not. It's questionable. It can go either way. So I just think I think he is where he is, and he is what he is. And it's up to the bear. Frankly, it's up to the Bears to be good enough. I often said this about Martellus Bennett, where he had to be on a team that could kind of envelop his Martellusness. You know, that could that could you know just be so good around him that he did his his act didn't dominate. Right. And sure enough, he went to the. Uh, Patriots and won a Super Bowl, and it's, I always say that's the only place in the world where he can win a Super Bowl because he couldn't do it in Green Bay, obviously not in Chicago. I think Chase is kind of like he's that kind of guy where he could be very productive, but man, you have to have a huge bubble of excellence around him uh, for that to fly, and that's kind of on the Bears since they made the investment. It's on the Bears to kind of put him in a situation where his act will fly. And so what I'm saying is I'm not saying it's going to ruin the team, and I'm saying a team can do well with him, but it, you got to put him in the right environment. I saw Marty uh, minutes after he won that Super Bowl. I was at that game. I saw him in the, in the tunnel of whatever stadium we were in, and he gave me a hug, Patsy. He gave me a hug. Um, I, I agree with what you're saying. I think that if you're going to be like this, you got to back it up, um, and, and the Bears need that. The other thing is this. Uh, Thursday was the 13th practice, Patsy, in something like 16, 17 days. Maybe just being around him so much in a short period of time, I'm sure that's frayed everybody's nerves a little bit. I wonder if this act is a little different when the Bears are practicing three times in a week versus five and a half. Do you yeah, know what I'm saying? I think that's a good point. I think it's a good point, especially the way campus. That goes back to what we were saying about a team needing to face somebody else. Yeah. Let's, you know, it's too bad he's not going to play or that, he, that, that Chase Claypool isn't. Or, you know, they should throw him at somebody else in somebody else's face. And it's a totally different dynamic. Well, and, uh, and, and, and you'll yeah. see that in Indianapolis, presuming he practices. If he starts talking to whatever DB lines up against him, all of a sudden, 89 other Bears are going to back him up, <laughs> even, if right. they, even if they think what he's doing is ridiculous. Uh, you got to step up for your guy. Right now, when he does it, only half the team backs him up because it's offense versus defense. Yeah, so, well, we'll see what happens. I mean, he's got to participate, first of all. Let's see, let's, let's, let's see if he can do that. But also, that thing can turn bad. You know, that's the danger of, the, of those practices yeah. is you get a guy, and the coaches hate that, I think, when they start – uh, when they get into altercations and things like that, that's something that they have to watch out for. So I'm not so sure that's a good thing. You, that might be one of those unifying things. Almost, uh, but I don't know. I'm, uh, something tells me that uh, they would uh, that uh, Matt Eberflus is looking for a nice calm week uh, with regard to uh, that kind of juice. All right. Now before we go, Potsy, I, you have your projected score, right? Projected score. Of oh, of the game on Saturday. No, I have no, no prediction. You didn't know that we're all making picks? Yeah, we are not making picks. <laughs> we, yes. are, we are not making preseason picks. I don't, uh, I don't pick uh, games, and I don't have uh, preseason games, and I certainly don't bet on them. My, uh, my prediction is that fun will be had by all. How about that? 
Yeah, my prediction is that we won't be able to tell that much more about the Bears after this game than we will, like in the you know Wednesday or Wednesday and Thursday uh, uh, against the Colts. Yeah, yeah, that'll be that'll be really telling. Uh, Nonetheless, Potsy, I think uh, the people will probably hear from us Saturday night in one form or another, probably here on this podcast, definitely on the Chicago Sun-Times website and in print. Uh, if you can't uh, do without us until then, you can follow us on Twitter, check out our website, or go pick up a newspaper. Uh, until then, here's Mark Potash. I'm Patrick Finley. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be right back real soon. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.